It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. This is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. I don't know a parent of someone under the age of 30 that has not been affected by the issue of college tuition and in many, many cases, the issue of student loan debt. I don't know an adult under the age of 50 that has not had to deal with some of these questions themselves, both for their own finances and for those of relatives. And what we're seeing is the student loan problem is really something that is having a deleterious effect on the economy as a whole. When you see many sectors of the economy improving, gas prices coming back down to earth, the number of jobs going up, number of other things things going in the right direction. The one thing that keeps going ever upward is college tuition, even though parents and students don't seem to have the means to pay for it. Years ago, it was not unusual for someone to be able to pay their own way through college with maybe a part-time job or a side job. Maybe they take a small loan that they'd pay back within a few years of, uh, of going to school. These days, it is impossible, unless you strike it rich as a YouTube star, to pay for your own college tuition with some sort of uh, a side job. So, What does this mean for the country? What does it mean for parents? What does it mean for students? There have been some very interesting solutions coming out of the political arena on this question. And as we look at the issue of paying for college, who better to turn to than someone whose last name almost is college? I am uh, very, very pleased to welcome to the program Alan Collins. He is the founder of StudentLoanJustice.org. He's written many articles and editorials on the subject, and he's been uh, named one of seven financial heroes by CNN and Money Magazine in December of 2008, a time when the country was in very tumultuous economic times. Alan, thanks for joining me on the radio. Well, thank you, Frank. It's really good to be with you. So how did the price of college get so out of control? Let's start with that. Sure. You know, and it's exactly what you said. Back in the 70s, you could work, uh, you know, a a job over the summer and cover most of your tuition, if not all. Uh, Today, um, well, we all know. We can all see what's going on. What happened was this, Frank. Um, The Federal Student Loan Program was created in 1965. And originally, the loans were supposed to be free of interest, uh, and it sort of seemed to work for a few years. But then in 1972, um, this sort of hybrid private-public company called Sally May was created. Uh, this gave the company a profit incentive to make these loans. But mo- more importantly, most importantly, in fact, nearly all consumer protections that exist for all of their loans were stripped from student loans. So they took away bankruptcy rights starting in the 70s. Uh, um, They took away statutes of limitations. Uh, They took away federal uh, um, fair debt collection practice uh, laws. They took away truth in lending laws. You know, you almost can't name a standard fundamental consumer protection that exists for all other loans that is still in place for federal student loans. Hmm. So the profitability and, and then they started charging interest, of course. And, you know, this company, Sally May, they found all sorts of ways to inflate 
you know, a $5,000 loan into a fifteen, twenty, twenty-five thousand $25,000 loan with penalties and fees. Um, it even became to the point, and this is very perverse, came to the point where the lenders like Sally Mae and others, they could make much more on a defaulted loan than a loan that remains in good stead. So the loans were weaponized hmm. and they became incredibly profitable, not only for these private banks, but even for the Department of Education. So all the standard lending dynamics, you know, good faith dynamics that you would imagine, like lending judiciously, not over lending, um, you know, not being concerned about the price of whatever is being purchased. All those things were out the window. The government, Congress, they were very free to let the kids borrow as much as uh, possible. They'd raised the loan limits year over year. And that started a hyperinflationary spiral. The so, colleges, sorry, go ahead. So, no, so just so I'm clear, so the, the problems with loan practices themselves, that's what led, in your view, to the uptick in college tuition. Oh, absolutely. It's, mm-hmm. it's clear. It's a clear one-to-one correlation. You know, if you look at the graph of the price of tuition over time, there was a watershed year in 1998 when bankruptcy protections became permanently unavailable for federal student loans. Well, that's when tuition really went through the roof. Um, it's, there's just no doubt about it. And, you know, I should, you very rightly correct, uh, correctly uh, pointed out that during recessions, the colleges raised their prices even more. Right. I mean, that's what we saw after 2008. Um, and even during the pandemic, the colleges made money hand over fist because they have no risk in the game and they were getting their own pandemic stimulus from the government, etc. They were teaching online rather than, uh, you know, kids in the classroom. And that saved them a ton of money. So the colleges just can't lose. <laughs> so uh, one of the things that I hear from more and more prospective college students and from a lot of parents who encourage their children to pursue another path, maybe a trade school, maybe even opening up a business, maybe a a state school or a city university, is that the price of college, the price of private college just isn't worth it. In your view, based on what you get in terms of bang for your buck, do you think the price of college tuition is worth it? At, at this point, I have to say no. I mean, clearly, and I should say that probably half or more of the people in my group, um, they went to trade schools, they went to community colleges, uh, they went to, you know, they work with their hands. These these are not, uh, you know, elitist, liberal, you know, snowflakes, nothing like that. These are just normal people. Um, so we have to look at the big numbers here, Frank, and the big numbers are this, on the loans, uh, the default rate, which is a terrible thing, terrible for the for the borrower, I should say, uh, the default rate for 2004 students was 40 percent. Wow. That's tw- that's twice what the subprime home mortgage default rate was. Uh, but people you know, graduating college nowadays are borrowing three times more than they were borrowing in 2004. So my best estimate before the pandemic was that we're going to see a default rate of around 70, 75% among all federal student loan borrowers. And here today, now we're post COVID and the loans are turned back on um, 80%, uh, despite what you might read in the New York times, it's complete fake news. Uh, 80, in fact, 80% of federal student loan borrowers are currently not making payments on their loans and they can't, I mean, they just can't. The, the inflation that we saw during the repayment pause, sucked every spare, you know, nickel out of them. 
And it's, it's just not happening. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and whatever people out there might think, it's just a fact that the federal student loan program is at this point a catastrophic failure. I, I just don't see it continuing. All right. So I want to get into the repayment pause pro- program in uh, in just a moment. Um, just so folks are aware, I know there was the the court battle over the original plan to cancel student debt. And then the Biden administration came out with sort of a, a, a refurbished version of it, which didn't affect as many borrowers, didn't cover as much debt. Even my wife, who still has student loans, she gets letters from time to time, one month saying you got to start paying your student loans again, the next month saying, oh, no, 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 you don't. What exactly is the deal right now in terms of what the Biden administration is doing in terms of uh, student loan debt? Yeah, you know, I have to say, um, I'll work I'm a nonpartisan guy. Joe Biden never wanted to cancel student loans, certainly not by executive order. He made some pretty uh, highfalutin uh, campaign promises before the election. He said, oh, I'm going to eliminate your student loan debt if you went to a public college and you earn less than $125,000 a year, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the Higher Education Act gives the president full, broad, un- unambiguous authority to cancel loans by executive order. But Biden never did that. He tried it by this weird uh, Heroes Act law from uh, 2003. The Supreme Court case shut that down. And quite frankly, I think Biden and many other Democrats like Nancy Pelosi, they wanted that case to fail. Um, they did not. They do not want to cancel student loans by executive order. So what Biden has done over the uh, first three years of his administration is he has sat back and watched some loans being canceled through uh, existing uh, long term income driven repayment plans that have been on the books for you know decades now. Uh, so Biden points to these uh, loan cancellations as, you know, promise made, promise kept. But I'm telling you, it's just it's just completely false, right. Frank. Yeah. So right now, what is the story with people that have student loan? Who gets a break? Who gets a little bit of a pause? What is the conditions of who needs to pay right now? Well, everybody on paper, as long as they're out of college uh, more than six months, uh, has to pay. But what's happening is that huge numbers of people are in deferments, forbearances, you know, financial mm-hmm. hardship. Uh, many people just simply aren't paying. They're in default. Uh, other people technically are in repayment, but their payments are $0 per month. Gotcha. So, gotcha. um, all right. Well, if people are just tuning in, we're talking with Alan Collins. He's the founder of studentloanjustice.org. Alan, uh, tell folks, what is studentloanjustice.org? What are you guys hoping to do? What's your agenda? Our agenda is, for the first 16 years of our existence, we were fighting very moderately for only the return of constitutional bankruptcy rights to the loans. Uh, You can declare bankruptcy on any type of loan in this country except for student loans. That's another thing Biden promised to do that he didn't, uh, that he did not fulfill his promise on. We're still fighting for bankruptcy, but Frank, now, today, the, the lending system is so catastrophically failed by all rational metrics. The loans are going to be canceled. The loans will not be paid at this point. So we're calling, and I actually started the petition that ignited the whole public conversation. Uh, We're calling on the president to cancel student loans by executive order, uh, as the Higher Education Act gives him the authority to do. It's time to take this thing out back and shoot it. (laughs) This lending system is toast. Uh, There's no no baby left. It's all bathwater. 
And so I think we need to end and replace the federal student loan program. We need to cancel every nickel of federally owned student loans. Uh, The taxpayers, by the way, have made a huge amount of profit on this thing. They've made every nickel that they put out probably even more. Uh, And so the taxpayers are not uh, not losing anything on this. But the lending system's got to be replaced. Uh, we clearly we still need bankruptcy rights for all student loans because there's quite a few out there that the president can't cancel. But this lending program is way more failed than even the subprime home mortgages. So uh, it's time to just clear the debt and and replace the lending system with something that actually works, something that's rational and doesn't make the colleges bloated and you know engorge themselves on future debt of uh, their their own students. And something that's rationally priced, where we're not, you know, uh, doing a loan to a student for $100,000 so they can get a worthless degree. That's so all uh, those things. Uh, let yep. me follow up on a couple of things you just said there. Uh, for starters, uh, I want to reiterate what you were saying, that uh, currently bankruptcy protection, standard bankruptcy protection doesn't apply to student loan debt. So that means if I go hog wild on all my credit cards, run up crazy amount of debt, uh, take cash advances, use it to go gamble, uh, blow it all at the casino, uh, purchase all sorts of stuff, I can declare bankruptcy. But if I take out a whole bunch of student loans, uh, go to graduate school, go to postgraduate school, get a graduate degree after graduate degree, or even for undergrads, uh, that is, I can never declare bankruptcy if I'm crippled by debt from that. Is that accurate? Oh, that's exactly right. Now, mm-hmm. other people would argue, uh, you know, there are, so last year, about somewhere between 45 and 632 people actually did get discharges on their student loans in bankruptcy. But that's, you know, a couple hundred people out of 200,000 people who have student loans and declare bankruptcy every year. So for all intents and purposes, that's exactly right. There are no standard bankruptcy protections for student loans. uh, And, you know, there's no statutes of limitations either. So these loans will follow you to the grave. And I can tell you, you know, most of our members are over the age of 35, not under. And we've got people in their 60s and 70s and some of the horror stories I could tell you are outrageous. You know, we've got a woman in our group who borrowed twenty twenty five thousand dollars back in the eighties and nineties. She has repaid over a hundred thousand dollars on this twenty five thousand wow. dollar note. Wow. And she still owes a hundred and thirty thousand dollars. The last I checked. Wow, that's so, incredible. Hey, uh, but mean, the, w- yeah. when you talk about canceling student loan debt, the yep. first thing that I think of, quite frankly, and I think the first thing that a lot of people in the audience think of is, is the issue of fairness. How is it fair that I, Frank Morano, took out student loans and uh, paid them off, whereas someone else gets to take out a student loan, use it for educational purposes, and then have someone else pay it off for them? How is that fair to uh, allow certain people a free ride on these student loans and have others pay what was expected of them? Right. Well, first of all, um, it's a complete misconception that people haven't paid. People have paid. Many people have paid many uh, hundreds and hundreds of percent more than they borrowed. And in fact, for every uh, $92 billion that the government lends out every year, it gets back around $85 billion in payments from the borrowers. And so it's not like anybody's really getting anything for free here. What we're talking about is an outrageously inflated debt 
where the overwhelming majority of that $1.6 trillion we hear about is interest. It's profit uh, for all intents. Uh, and so the people have paid. And if you want to talk about fair, <laughs> that's a very slippery slope with student loans because the, the entire lending system is just the most unfair, most unconstitutional, uh, most damaging, harmful, predatory, and at this point, catastrophically failed loan scam that this country's ever seen. Mm -hmm. So let me just give you one example, Frank. Let's look at the state of Texas, right? Not too many blue-haired liberals in Texas. Well, the state of the people of the state of Texas collectively owe $141 billion in mostly federal student loan debt. So how are we going to get $141 billion in cash from the people of Texas to satisfy this debt? How are we going to, how, how, How's that going to work? How are we going to get 141 plus interest, 141 billion, suck it out of the state, send it largely to the Department of Education? What's that going to do to the state of Texas? You know, it's going to turn it into something like Mexico or something. Um, the, the lending system's failed. And, you know, again, if you want to talk about fair some more, how fair was it that these business owners during the pandemic, most of whom earned more than $100,000 a year, they got these PPP loans and less than half of them actually use them to pay their employees. So in other words, this is just free money for them. Uh, how is it fair that they got this free money from the government? And by the way, PPP loans were very expensive to the taxpayer because not one nickel was repaid. How is it fair to the, that those business owners got that huge bonus? And what about all the small businesses that, you know, they didn't have the back office wherewithal to put together an application right. in time? Um, all the businesses that failed during the pandemic. How is that fair? Well, you're not going to get an argument from from me, and I suspect uh, a lot of folks in our uh, in our audience on, on that front. Uh, beyond fairness, though, let, let's talk about the uh, the economics of this. You know, economists love to throw out that term, and if people are just tuning in, we're talking with Alan Collins. He's the founder of StudentLoanJustice.org. Alan, uh, economists love to use the term moral hazard, and when this has been talked about before, some critics have uh, said that widespread loan forgiveness might create a type of moral hazard. So how do you address concerns that forgiving student loans might encourage irresponsible borrowing in the future? Oh, if you want to talk about moral hazard, that is a, that is a two-way street. The moral hazard in this lending scam uh, resides entirely and totally on the side of the colleges, the Department of Education, the banks and servicers that work for it, and a whole viper's nest of these sort of snaky or people organizations uh, li that live in and around Washington, D.C. and Manhattan. These people are predators. They are sharks. And, uh, you know, as I said, for the first 15, 16 years of our existence, we were fighting only for the same bankruptcy rights that every other borrower has for other, every other type of loan. And, you know, I worked with Congress again and again, every year, every year. They'd say, oh, it's not a good time. No, you're right, but it's not a good time. Not a good time. And this lending system just metastasized. And so um, should people pay back loans? Yeah, that hasn't, that hasn't changed. But, you know, lending systems fail from time to time. We saw it with the subprime home mortgage crisis. Uh, we saw it with pretty much every banking system in Europe after World War II. We saw it with the SNL crisis of the 80s. Um, it just happens. And so 
what would be best is to see these loans canceled in a very quiet way. But at this point, I think it's too late for that. It's just too big. One of the things that um, I think it, it becomes clear in looking at the situation, and you alluded to this, is that the colleges have raised their tuition in in line with the ease in which students and their parents are able to borrow money. Is there a yes. risk that uh, some sort of massive student loan forgiveness would lead to colleges raising their prices even more? And could this be a situation where it helps the people that are hurting right now, but it exacerbates the problem in the long term? Well, by by canceling the loans, you have got to be responsible in how you do it. You cannot allow this lending system to continue. It just mm-hmm. can't. Um, so if they wanted to keep student loans, they could do that, I suppose. I don't, I don't think the government has any business being in the lending business, but it would have to have all the consumer protections that exist for all their loans. And in that environment, uh, the Department of Education and Congress, they are not going to be willing to throw $100 billion a year uh, out to the colleges to, you know, um, produce cheaper and cheaper degrees. Got it. So so just so I'm clear, so in a perfect world, you'd like to cancel student loan debt for people that are holding it now and then prospectively prohibit the federal government from being in the student loan business. Uh, Maybe I can go get a student loan from a private lender, but the federal government, the taxpayer, would have nothing to do with it. Is that pretty much it? I don't think the government has any good business being in the lending business, certainly not to make a profit. And quite frankly, I think we need to go back to a different model. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I'm still OK with the government subsidizing the colleges uh, and maybe even the um, the students should be on the hook to pay a bit more in tax every year for a certain amount of time after graduation. You know, there's there's a lot of ways that you can uh, that you can make the people who benefit from uh from it uh, pay for it in a fair way certainly not by loans though certainly not by predatory loans uh least of all are there alternative models or methods for financing college that you believe could be more effective and fair than the current loan system maybe something that's done really well in another country for instance yeah you know most countries have figured this out um australia for example if you after college, uh, you're on the hook to pay a certain amount of a uh, certain percentage of your income ab- uh, once you reach a minimum threshold uh, of earnings. Uh, I think there's a, there's a time limit on it. So I don't know if it's 15, maybe 20 years. Uh, you pay a certain percentage. It's set in stone, can't be changed. There's no opportunities for profiteering or, uh, you know, weird little lending games that what everything that we're seeing now. Um, so. You know, it's solid. Everybody knows what it is going in. There's no surprises. Uh, you know, everything's very transparent. I, I, I would like to see something like that. One of the things that I hear um, regarding credit cards, loans, regarding uh, things like rent on apartments is a lot of complaints that there just isn't adequate financial literacy among young people. Do you think that more needs to be done to educate young people in terms of uh, how the economy works? Is there a lack of financial literacy that's contributed to this student loan crisis? And if there is... How do you think that can be addressed? You know, students and their parents are never told before they sign for those loans 
that there are no bankruptcy protections, mm. there are no statutes of limitations, the very unique uh, um, booby traps that are that are set up around these loans, they're never disclosed to the parents or their students. No matter how, you know, there are CPAs that have, you know, uh, guided their child through the financial aid process, and they had no clue. Um, you know, and increasingly they're making these loans to parents in the form of Parent PLUS loans, and no, it's... It, it's not a bad borrower problem. It's not a financial literacy problem. It's a problem of an unconstitutional predatory loan scam that mm-hmm. has been foisted on the public by the federal government, by both parties, by the Republicans and the Democrats. And it's just, uh, it's not acceptable. Uh, it's not tolerable. And quite frankly, in my humble opinion, uh, nobody should be paying their money into this beast and feeding it. Alan Collins, we're going to have to end it there. Really appreciate the conversation. I hope you'll come back in the future. Well, thank you, Frank. Anytime. It's going to get exciting here over the next year. I can imagine. Uh, you could check out Alan Collinge at studentloanjustice.org. That's studentloanjustice.org. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you're welcome to give me a call. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.